Hey. <laughs> I, I always love the way you say, hey. How should I say it? I wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't a judgment. No, no, no. I, okay. I, uh, I, I, I accept it wasn't a judgment. I wasn't suggesting that you should say, hey. Or um, it reminds me of uh, one time we were uh, years ago in France walking up a, some kind of mountain and started getting quite self-conscious about how people said bonjour. Mm-hmm. And uh, bonjour. <laughs> Bonjour, and uh, wondering wondering what we sounded like, you know, as we said "Bonjour" to everyone um, as we we're walking up the hill. Like we were saying, like "Hello," <laughs> <laughs> but didn't know it. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> How are you? Je m'appelle Simone. This is a podcast in which two friends have serious conversations about silly things and silly conversations about serious things. I'm Simon Ellis. And I'm Lee Miller. Welcome to Midlife Inn. Yesterday, you and I were involved in a um, in a conversation online with with lots of people, and um, wow. one of the people who was there said, "Oh, the the best thing was getting to actually see Jeff. That she'd only ever just heard, <laughs> she'd only ever heard about Jeff." <laughs> Hang on, I've just got to um, take off my um, snood clothes. I didn't like. I was only only two minutes in, and I had to take my jumper off. Oh, yesterday. Do speaking of the. Um... Of the the events that we we were co collaborating on. Uh, why did I say that? The word is collaborating. I don't. No, I think co 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 like a stutter. Co- you have a stuttered. Yeah, uh, yes. I do. I often. I think it's because I was. I think because in my head I'm going to say co create, um, and I, then I get halfway through it and go collaborate. Anyway, um, it's so funny. In Italian, they have the word. I think this is right. Tornare, which means to return, but they also have uh, ritornare, which means to return again. Oh, but I love the idea of returning again, mm, isn't it? So you've been there once, you've been there a second time, and then you liked it so much you went a third I time. I don't think that's what they mean. I think it means oh. I think it means when you go back, meaning when you go back to where you go back to where you came from. Oh, that's even better. I, I think. Oh, that's I, right. I'd like that even more. So if you've been somewhere before, you return, but then when you go home, you re-return. Something like that. that that's. Oh. It, it, I have to say, it doesn't. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. <laughs> Isn't it? It's interesting when you have a word explained, but the concept doesn't exist. Because yeah, it's just, it's, it, exactly. It's totally abstract. I mean, it just yeah. is a, such a reminder how, how abstract uh, words are. I mean, yeah, they really are. They really are. And then the idea that, you know, there are certain words that, that need to come into being in particular cultural contexts that you just don't need in other ones. But they live in a language because they're really important. So in Portuguese, there's a concept called saudade, which is kind of like nostalgia, but nostalgia for something that never has been. We don't have a word for that, do we? No, we don't. As a kind of poetics that doesn't exist, the idea of longing for something that never was, but feeling like you miss it in your body as an ache. Um, mm. And the the um, so we're going to talk about embodiment today. I don't know because you're in charge of oh, the talking. I'm a little bit worried. I think all our Italian listeners should write in and correct me if because when I look it up in the dictionary, it says to go back, and then you look up the other ritornare, and it says to go back. <laughs> oh, so it might be like flammable and inflammable. Oh, oh, 
I'm which pretty is the sh- same, which means the same thing, but sounds like it's the opposite. Yeah, I, I have to say the um, we do need someone who's a, uh, a more knowledgeable Native Italian speaker. Exactly. Can, Please yeah, write yeah. in info at midlifing.net and yeah. um, set. Well, I'm going to say set us straight, but what I really mean is set me straight. <laughs> let's 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 widen it out to us. I'm happy to be um, implicated in your wrongness. <laughs> is that like always or just in this particular? Ah, oh, fuck it, always. Nice. You, you, you have carte blanche to walk around the world saying awful shit and just go, well, it's Lee Miller's fault, essentially. You've got my back again. Always, baby. Always. I'm back again, again. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, I, but I think I interrupted you. I know there's a first time for everything, but I think you were, and I went, blah, 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 Italian word, ritornare, blah, blah, blah. And you were talk. you were about to say something, but I can't remember. Oh, I was, was just talking about how yesterday when we were working together, because you've just taken your jumper off, I had the most appalling flop sweat. But I don't know what flop sweat is. Okay, so flop sweat is that that panic sweat that you get? I think I got the phrase from Broadcast News made in 1987 with Holly Hunter and William Hurt and Albert Brooks. Typical love triangle, very boring, very heteronormative, very white. But the notion of the flop sweat, Albert Brooks' character couldn't be an on-camera reporter. Because he got too much flop sweat. The moment that he sat down in front of the camera to do the reading, he just started to sweat <laughs> profusely from panic, and, and it was referred to as flop sweat. Um, and I, I get it. And do you, have you face. heard it? Have you heard that word? No, not your face. No. Under your arms. Oh, my God, yeah. I put my arms up to do, to do the yoga thing and just went, fuck, uh, we're going to do a different, <laughs> gray, <laughs> different Gray is a really bad colour. Gray, it's an unforgiving colour. But have you ever heard anyone else call it flop sweat? Well, Bob calls it flop sweat, but I don't know if she got She might have got it from you. She might have done, but I, I came downstairs afterwards because we were in different parts of the house. <laughs> um, and I didn't even get to the end of the corridor and I went oh I got really sweaty she went I can smell you from here wow it's like okay really wow yeah do you think she has a really acute sense of smell or really was it that you were just bombing the place I think she probably is attuned to my panic oh that's beautiful well have you there's okay in our book, Between Us, <laughs> Audiences Affect... This is not our between. book, by the way. Lee and I are no. yet to write a book together. We're, Although um, I feel it's coming. It is coming. Um, it's about how to um, respond to... Uh... <laughs> it's about how to respond to emails that are very difficult. Um, so in, in our book, mine and Bob's book, Between <laughs> Us, we write about the idea of psychoneuroendocrinology. Um, and there's a... I know, it's a great word. Psychoneuroendocrinology. It's, really it's not going to be writing. in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. I'm not going to put your book in the show notes. <laughs> oh, no, I thought psychoneuroendocrinology might be. Oh, you didn't make the word up. No, God, no, because I'm going to reference Teresa Brennan, who also didn't make the word up but talks about it. She writes about the idea of, um, of being able to smell people's affect. Oh. So she talks about the idea of electrical entrainment is quite well known. But more recently, the notion of chemical entrainment has become something that we understand more. Mm. So this sense that, you know that we understand that a dog can smell moods and smell stuff about you. Yeah. So can people. Which is why when you walk into a room, you kind of go, oh, 
what's going on here? There's a really strong atmosphere. Chances are you're smelling the kind of the um, the chemical changes in people's uh, endocrine system that is being pumped out through their through their pheromones, and you can kind of go, ooh, okay, something's going on here. So it's a proven thing. So a very long-winded way to say, yeah, Bob probably can smell my panic because she's more used to it. But than it was it panic, or was it just like really thick with something? You know, intensely concentrating and really, you know, when you're in the real thick of something. Yeah, I think panic is probably the wrong word. I probably leapt to the wrong word there. But See, I get, it's funny, I get flop sweats. I get flop sweats. I'm going to use that a lot. You know, really odd situations. For example, <laughs> I'm not sure I want to admit this, but when I'm doing email and, you know, that's not a stressful thing. It's not a thing I do a lot of during the day. I have a particular time and then I, at that particular time, I open the email client and I start typing emails and deleting all the ones that have been sent to me. But I find at the end of that half an hour or whatever it is that I'm quite sweaty. It's like there's something like a type of concentration. And I don't know what it is that's different from other concentrations when I'm concentrating in which I don't get flop sweat. I've noticed this a lot since we've been behind screens. I can't smell the other person, so I don't quite know. Or you can't read the the room. Exactly. I get the shakes. Oh, I know that feeling. (laughs) I can be talking to people and I'm thinking, I am so glad you can only see me from the sort of mid-chest up because my hands are completely gone, shaking Mm. really quite strongly. And and I have to sometimes really hold onto the chair and focus on my breath so that I can start to calm it down. Mm. Yeah, I I often um, do kind of live typing when I'm, even when I'm doing presentations face-to-face and that's... Typing really goes out the window when yeah. you've got a little bit of a flop sweat and associated stresses. It's funny. I had um, I actually came across uh, happened across a word the other day that I thought maybe you had heard before, but it is a made up word, or as you'd like to say, uh, neologism. 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 <laughs> I love that word because it just lets you say anything you want. <laughs> it's a word that was uh, made up by someone called John Koenig for his project called The Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows. Are you familiar with that? No, I'm not, but I think I want to be. Yeah, So that, and it's a word called sonder. Have you ever heard of that word? No, sonder, like S-O-N-D-E-R. Yes, this is the definition I'm reading now. The profound feeling of realising that everyone, including strangers past in the street, has a life as complex as one's own, which they are constantly living despite one's personal lack of awareness of it. Oh, that's beautiful. So it's the opposite of solipsism. Yes. Oh, I love that. And I have often wondered, what's the opposite of solipsism? And, you know, just decided oh, it's, it's being a person. But Sonder, Sonder is beautiful. Isn't it? It's, and I'd really recommend uh, having a look at the Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows. It's really is. It'll be in the show notes, if this even makes the cut. Um, oh, this is making the cut. I'm saying that avowedly and with, with clarity and affirmative action right now. And I'm also going to say, I'm going to go and buy that from a bricks and mortar bookshop. I had this idea, which mm. is, I wanted to talk about something which I think you might be an expert in. I find this hard to believe. And you want, I wondered if you would like to guess what it might be. Dal- Dalmatians. <laughs> <laughs> Walking dogs in the morning. Mm. Uh, no, I've got no idea what I could potentially be an expert in. I thought we could talk about love. Oh, fuck off. Really, I am not an expert in that. 
But you've you've been how long have you been in a relationship with with Bob? Since nineteen ninety two. So it's that long. Twenty It's nearly thirty years. Oh I know, I know. It really is. It really is nearly thirty years. We met in the October of nineteen ninety two. Yeah. The beginning of my second year and the beginning of Bob's first year. Bob took a year off. Uh, After do, school, yeah, she she went and did some acting stuff. Um, and did she go on the bill? <laughs> no, she did some theatre. Do 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 do. Did she? <laughs> she did. I don't think I. Hmm, I don't think I'd clocked that. Bob very rarely tells people what she's done. You know, she used to be a potter. She's done all sorts of things. She used to be a she potter. A, yeah, she was a potter. She ran a, an art gallery. She's done a lot of things in her life. I was going to say in her short life, but then I realised that we were talking yesterday and she said, well, as a woman who's nearing 50, I was like, who's she talking about? Oh, her. <laughs> That's weird. Because <laughs> I still think of her as like, you know, a youngster. But so can I persevere? Go ahead. So you must know something about the nature of love. Like if you were advising, say you had, a, you know... Someone who was in their early 20s and, you know, they were, really, they were really good friends and they said, I'm really, I've got this thing on my mind. And um, what do you understand when you say you love someone? What do you mean that, what does that mean to you? This is one of those moments where I get so locked behind the inadequacy of language. Which is not great. It's not for great a for podcast. a podcast. <laughs> I think one of the things I would say if somebody in their 20s was to say to me something along the lines of, oh, what, what could you tell me about the nature of love? I would say, I have nothing to tell you. Do you really? Nobody, yeah. I don't think one person's experience of love is like the next person's experience of love. I will mm. go even further and say, I'm not sure if two people in the same relationship are experiencing love in the same way. That is so beautiful, Lee Miller. Does that mean it can't be talked about or that there's no value? No, no, I don't think that there's no value. I think that what we will be doing is speaking in hmm, sort of speaking in half sentences. So totally normal for this podcast. Coming at it sort of from around corners and then trying to surprise it to catch something of of it but before it runs you know, we, away you mean yeah and also i think because you know love in a long-term relationship like the one that i'm in or the one that you're in is also peppered through with so many other complex things that are about um compromise that are about um <laughs> about I I can't even start to list the things that that are in a, a relationship, but you know, um, mm. and I think that that leaves you in this weird place where you sort of, if you try and talk about it, you end up sifting out all of the good stuff. Okay, I've got a friend called Victor. Um, hi, Victor. Hi, Victor. Victor listens. Victor's listened to this all over the world. Um, wow. You see that? Is he why we've got listeners in India? No, he's and Georgia. Reason. No, he's a reason that we've got listeners in Mexico. I don't think he was listening to it while he was in India, because I think he was in India before we started recording. Yeah, he was. 
anyway. love for him to go to Kazakhstan so we could have a listener in Kazakhstan. <laughs> if we could just start sending Victor around the world. Well, he once said of me and Bob that we were like a fixed point in space and time. And he said that wherever he went in all of the multiverses, he would expect us to be there oh. together, being us. I think as as beautiful and gentle an assertion that is, I think what it sort of what it told me in that moment is that oh, okay, there's a projection of who we are in the world. <laughs> there's a projection of our love for one another in the world that is separate to the love itself and separate to our relationship mm. so our relationship almost lives in the world differently to us and separately to us and i think people have a perspective on it that is you know obviously not accurate because it's more complex and messy and you know all of those sorts of things i mean I'm not, i wasn't also necessarily asking you to uh, talk to talk about your relationship i was no, thinking that no, no. you have experience in yeah. that relationship that i have that might that embolden you no, and, and i think interestingly it, it it doesn't embolden me it, it, it silences me it makes me realize that i can speak oh. only of my experience and i can't extrapolate for other people i can say certain things like advice i've been given um about how to be with somebody it's advice that my mum and dad gave me which is never go to bed angry stay up until it's fixed and this is something that i've learnt just never badmouth your partner or tease your partner or say anything about them in front of other people just never do it how how long have you been with lil now in may we will have been married 19 years we would have been married 19 and together 24 and in answer to your next question, if you'd asked me what do I understand about love, I it's funny, compromise is not a word that would have come to mind. And yet, clearly, it involves some form of letting go of the things I want, if, if I understand that to be a similar thing, meaning if I were living by myself, I would do things like this. So yes, I, I, I think compromise is a it's such an interesting word. It's like a tainted word in English, isn't it? It is. I was thinking that as I said it, and that's actually why I got stuck on the word and I couldn't think of any other words because I just thought... It's not quite right. The, the language is wrong. It's so... It's tainted. It's something about, for me, and I don't think I'm very good at this. I have to say, I think it's a... I think I find it incredibly challenging, which is to remove the distance between the person you want your partner to be and the person they are. In a way, you know, if you, if you talk about romantic love, in a way there's, there's something that's the part of the pleasure of it, as I understand it, or as I remember it, which is that you don't need to do any of that work because this person's perfect for you, even if that's just for a week, that there's no need to work towards acceptance as they are. But it's only when that wears off or when you start to see the things that rub you up the wrong way, the things that don't quite make sense with this image you have of this other person. And when that image starts to get you know, soiled, <laughs> um, that's when things get really tricky because then we start doing that work of affecting them or trying to fit them into the version of them we want them to be. I think this is this is why talking about love is difficult you're right you you know there's a there's a distinction between romantic love and then the the love that kind of 
develops thereafter. But I think that this is why it's so difficult to talk about because lots of people do think about a partner as a fixer-upper, somebody that they're going to, you know, work on until they're the, the best version of themselves. And sometimes I think partnerships are built on that because that's what the other person needs. Mm. <laughs> it's not, you know, I, I don't think it it wouldn't work in our house. Yeah, I think it's more subtle than, it's not like I set out or that I'm aware of the desire to f- make someone fit into the image of how they should behave, or that in that in that quintessential or that um, classical sense of narcissism, you know, that of falling in love with one's own reflection, that to to make them like you see yourself to be, and so I, I sort of think of it as being much more subtle than that. And of course, we we're not talking about love, are we? We're oh. talking about we're talking about relationships now. <laughs> which is different it's separate too we're talking about how to live with somebody and continue to live with somebody in order that that indefinable thing that thing that we call love can continue that could keep two people together yeah yeah oh yeah you're right I'm I'm, I'm that was <laughs> that was not intended as a kind of a schooling because I think I no, took no, us down no. this down, down this path and it was a moment of listening to you say that and go we stopped talking about love. And I think it, it goes back to my anxiety about trying. What does one mean about love? Because it's, you know, it's something inside. It's a, it's a chemical thing. It's actually, you know, it's a psychoneuroendocrinologic thing, isn't it? You, you, somebody <laughs> you really want right that word to, to be in this episode, just, don't you? I just, <laughs> I'm just going to keep peppering it. Through. So it's impossible it's... to cut out, to ex- <laughs> excise from the... Uh, yeah. <laughs> or it, it, yeah <laughs> but it, it's about it does somebody smell right to you does you know and then what does that smell do to you well do, does that mean that it's not because of its slipperiness and or you let's say the slide from yeah i'll say the slide from talking about love to inevitably talking about relationships what does that mean for you that mean there's a sort of lack of accuracy or um uh, not being able to sort of hone in on the thing itself. I think. Damn! I thought you'd be an expert. Yeah. How wrong were you? So then, what's different about your understanding of love now than what it was twenty-five years ago, thirty years ago? But there must be something that you go, "Oh yeah, I think I recognise this about it." Well, it doesn't. It doesn't feel any different in my body. I know oh. that. I know that when I when I first saw Bob, I had a kind of it was like a jolt. When I saw her, I was like, oh, like that. It was it was a kind of a, a like you, a, you a, had the struck by lightning. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I lost my breath. And and this is going to sound ridiculous. And it hasn't happened for a while, but not because of the feelings in my body, but because of the way we live in the world right now. We've been locked inside. So I pretty much always know where Bob is, <laughs> where she's going to be. So weird, so isn't it's, it? You know, you're, it's like, you know, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, we're, we're in the same space, and if we if we go to a shop, we go to a shop together. But in the time before, like about a year, a bit more than a year ago now, if Bob went off into town and I was off in town, and then I saw her from a distance, I would have that same like oh! moment of being struck by her and having just a little moment 
very little moment of not knowing who she was, not quite recognizing, but thinking she's perfect. And then going, oh, of course she is, it's Bob. And, and I, so that, that recognition of her as being somebody who galvanizes me, mm. I still experience. So that hasn't changed. I think all of the relationshipy bits have it's changed. It's really beautiful to hear you talk about that. It is, it's, yeah, it's really, it's quite special. I love it. Yeah, I don't, I don't sort of know how to respond to that bit because it's, it's just how it is. I see her and I, 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 lose, I lose my breath. Mm. But I don't, you know, it's not like when I walk into the bedroom, I'm going to go, oh, there you are. Because I know she's there. It, it, it's <laughs> always... It's, it, it's, it requires it, a certain it, amount of surprise. Geographical, it it, geographical exactly. surprise. It, it, it does. It, it requires me to not be expecting to see her. And when I see her, I am struck. I like how much you, uh, you talk about in your body these days. Oh, I know. I know. It's because I used to... You're, you've been converted. You were converted, haven't you? It was because of you lot that I started doing yoga. You lot. You know, you you bloody dancers. <laughs> <laughs> On behalf of all dancers, I just want to apologise for uh, having such powerful influence over you. Well, it's okay. I think probably, upon reflection, it's all been for the best. I think I'm grateful for being forced into Forced into your body. That idea of embodiment, which I know you're an expert on because you've already spoken on another podcast about it. I understood what it meant conceptually. I understood the word, but I didn't understand what it meant. I didn't understand the feeling of it. And if you, after you've been doing yoga quite a long time, did you wake up and go, oh, I get it? Or is it, was it much more... Um, much more subtle, the shift from not getting it to getting it. It was much more subtle. It was the opposite of falling in love. Ah, uh, 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 nice. It was, the, it was the opposite of that because it wasn't a jolt. It wasn't like suddenly, oh, this is galvanic and the world has changed. It was more like, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. And it would just go on for what felt like Yes. And so what was what kept you it wasn't that you were hunting for that either was it you were just it no. was just that you were just it was like you were getting stronger and that, so that's what kept me going back to yoga that's what kept me going back to it but then over time other things started to emerge like oh. being able to understand and listen into and kind of go oh so that feeling is this thing and and that you know that that led me to meditation and all sorts of things all of which have been hugely beneficial. I think probably not just to my mental health, but also my ability to, to sit with stuff in our relationship. What is it about those things that's enabled you to sit with stuff? Like, what is it that, what is it that they've given you that's made you able to do that? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's given me the space to get out of my own way. Hmm. I, learned a, I learned really quickly in yoga that I was very rarely right or very rarely good. Good, good in inverted commas, if that makes sense. Ah. Um, the, the, there were certain things. Okay, so you're a dancer, as you know. Um, Thank you. And I've seen dancers when uh, they're given... I think you're going to say you've seen me dance, and, well, yes, you can call yourself a dancer all you like. But I've no, seen but those I've, three moves. <laughs> I have seen you dance, but I've also seen you in workshop contexts, and, um, and I've seen other dancers where they're given a piece of choreography and they look at another person's body outside of themselves, and then they just translate it into their body, and it's just there mm. immediately. Wow. There seems yeah. to have been no process, no transition between one body and another. It just is kind of osmotic. It just goes vroom, into them. 
and I don't I don't have that capacity still don't have that capacity so people can show me something physically and then I'm like no what do you mean left arm what do you mean move my left which is my left arm again I can't find it sure I don't understand it so what that what it taught me was yoga what yoga taught me was the ability to stay with and be patient and recognize that the, you don't have to have any judgment about not being able to do this that actually the value is just coming back to the mat every day when you're shit ah so actually that is about well as i understand it awareness which is always without judgment that it's impossible to have judgmental awareness yeah absolutely that absolutely and and it's not like it again this is not something where I was hit by a bolt of lightning. This was something that was incremental, that it would, t- you know, I, I could be struggling with a posture and it would be the point at which I went, oh, this doesn't matter. What matters is that I'm trying, that then it would kind of just sort of slot into my body and I'd go, oh, I can do it. That's so funny because I've stopped, I've stopped being invested in it. I stopped being invested in the end. In, yeah, in the, in the acquisition. I mean, like to me that you're like to me, that's talking precisely about love. I know that's not what you're talking about. (laughs) No, but it's interesting. Why? Because I think there's something about an investment in awareness and not wanting the end. That is what it is to be in love. And for all the struggles of that, for all the times you go, what is my left hand doing? What am I? Why is it? Why can't I do this? Why is there that there's also... This is here. I am here right now doing this. That was that that was hard. It was hard. It was so much so much harder than I thought it would be. It's weirdly exposing. Mm. I'm also aware that I got caught up in trying to find the words to articulate something that resulted in me not asking you the same kinds of questions. I've you interviewed you. Me as, mm, less that, well, you. Less that, more that you positioned me as expert. Well, that was a joke. Not. Of course I know that, it was a I was joke. Trying, no, no, no. Yeah, I, yeah. I know that's a joke, but it's like, it's as if I experienced that as well, that you positioned me as expert. Oh. And you, you sort of, you aren't. And I'm kind of thinking... Nearly twenty-five years. That's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I could have expertise. Maybe I should have said, uh, and maybe we can just keep this in. Uh, is that I should have said that it's something that we, I, I think, we could safely say we're experts in through practice. We we are certainly practiced. We are certainly practiced in it, um, and you know, but that's I a think, good I thing, think, isn't it? It is. I mean, a good it's thing. a pretty amazing thing. It is an amazing thing, but I also, I kind of also want to say something which is about trying to not occupy a position of smugness, which I don't think either of us have done deliberately, but I think people might, could potentially hear that. Oh. And I kind of look want at, to Look at how well we've done. Yeah, 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 exactly. Ugh, I really, that does, yeah, you've made me feel a bit uneasy about that. But of course, it's possible to imagine that someone who's been in a long-term, a long, long-term relationship and then decided to be out of it has a more advanced status, has leveled up in relation mm. to not only love itself, but the edges of it. It's the, it's like the complete opposite of the, of the, the lightning bolt at the beginning, isn't it? Which is, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then the other side of it, but maybe it is, maybe it's a little bit similar where people go, oh, no, this cannot happen. 
I don't know. I mean, I just don't, you know, it's... Well, I guess, I guess we're the wrong people to ask because we haven't had the reverse lightning bolt. We haven't had the return yeah. where we've had that, <laughs> the, the other side of it where you go, whoop. Yeah. Instead, what we, you know, we're, we're still in that In the middle. And, yeah, in the middle of it. And it's, you know, and I, I hope to always be in the middle of it. One of the things that Bob has always been really clear about is that we are in love and we are together now. at the moment. Uh, and there just, is no promise to the future. Oh, I think this is, I, I do think that's beautiful. And I think because it does, it is nothing, to me, there's nothing smug about that because it recognizes, to me, the work, the work of loving, you know, that this demands attention now. Uh, it's not something that you can just allow to be. Mm. It will wither and die mm. kind of thing. And yeah, and I, I, yeah, it's really, God, oh, that's complex. And demanding 